It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Linda Parkhouse has quite a list of positions she holds. Among them are event speaker, podcaster, personal and leadership growth coach, and quilter. Although Linda and I didn't discuss her podcast, you might want to check out Words to Lead By with Linda Parkhouse. Her podcast isn't about how to lead, rather it's things to think about and ways to become the best leader for those who follow you. glad you could join me today, Linda. Oh, it's my delight and pleasure. Thank you for asking, Paula. Oh, great. Where were you born and raised? Well, I was born in Ames, Iowa. We didn't live there very long uh, before my parents started moving around the country for the work that my dad did in a ministry called The Navigators. And we lived in probably five different states, and then I have lived in a couple more. The longest that I've lived in any state was Alaska for 26 years. So that feels more like home than most of the other states I've lived in. If you lived there for that long, you must have liked the long days and long night seasons. Definitely. The summer months, of course, everyone sort of comes out of hibernation, just like the bears, and uh, plays hard, does fishing and hiking and biking and all kinds of things. Our family liked to do camping. That was one of our hobbies there. And uh, it's not like camping in the lower 48. Uh, you don't generally have hookups wherever you camp. It's more rustic, I guess I would say, but in spectacular settings, looking mm-hmm. at thousands of feet tall mountains and lakes and being able to go fishing and things like that. So we thoroughly enjoyed our time in Alaska. Even the shorter days in the winter for me did not affect me so much because most of the time we lived in homes that had a view of mountains and ocean. So during the day you had something spectacular to look at and the sunsets there linger much longer than in other places I've lived, probably because of the angle of the sun. And so you get to enjoy sunsets even in the winter for an extended period of time. And I think living in Alaska is probably one of my bigger quilt inspirations as well, the way I use color, because there's lots of color, which I think surprises people. I think we think of Alaska as a place full of snow. Yeah. (laughs) But it's it's not. (laughs) It's spectacularly beautiful. So if you haven't been, you really need to go. I hope to someday. Were you there as a child or that was as an adult? It was actually as an adult. I met my husband uh, when my family lived in Colorado, and then we took our honeymoon trip to move to Alaska for a job that he had with the Air Force. And we stayed there for a very long time, as you know. So it was a place I longed to live through my teens and college years. And so When this adventurous man that I married said, let's move to Alaska, I was on board. (laughs) Neat. 
You've had several different employments. Can you tell me about some of those? Yeah. When I was a teenager, I was a lifeguard, and that was a fun thing because I loved swimming. Uh, but I graduated with a degree in dietetics and nutrition, so I became a registered dietitian, and I worked in hospitals and clinics for a while before I married and after for a little while, and then took a break from my career to raise children. And during their uh, junior high or higher elementary years, I became a pastor at our church for women. And that lasted for seven years and then took a break and moved to Virginia, where we now live, and had the opportunity to work at a big church here. And then retired from that in September of 2018. And now I coach people. So lots of different things, but it's been a fun and varied life. Neat. Now, part of your coaching, I've seen you have a podcast. Can you tell me a little about the podcast and how it connects people to your coaching? Yeah, I do a podcast. It's fairly short, five to eight minutes long, usually on topics that I hope are helpful to people who want to grow personally or in their leadership. And the pandemic that we have all been experiencing has affected my ability to be creative. So I haven't done too much with it for a month or two, but I'm going to get back at it very soon. So I'd love it if people would check it out and tell me what they think. Neat. I'm kind of curious, how did you choose Virginia coming back from Alaska? Well, believe it or not, my husband and I realized that our children had moved on. One was living in Australia, where she went to college. The other was living in Texas after having gone to Australia for college. And both had said they liked warmer climates and didn't really want to return to Alaska. So we kind of looked at each other at one point and said, why are we still shoveling snow in the winter? And decided to do an adventure. So my husband looked for work on the East Coast. I know in Virginia, people will say we're in the South, but to a person who's lived in the West her whole life, Virginia is the East Coast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we took a job here. And we thought we'd only be here for three years, but it turned into nine. And we're still waiting to see when we get to go on to the next chapter of our adventures. We think we'll want to live in the West at some point again. But we have definitely taken advantage of all the wonderful things to do here on the East Coast. We've driven up into New England and into Nova Scotia and visited Prince Edward Island. And we have driven to Cape Canaveral and Orlando in Florida, mm -hmm. all from here, and explored lots of things. Some may say, why would you drive all those places? Well, we have the warped Alaska-sized driving distances in us. <laughs> in Alaska, you'll drive two hours to go fishing on a river if the fishing is good. And so when we moved here, we sort of transported that mindset here. So we don't mind driving for a long number of hours to yeah. see things, yeah. see people and enjoy them. So yeah, so we've taken advantage of lots of things here, visited lots of um, places in DC and all over the East Coast. Now, do you have any family left in the West? 
Oh, yes. I happen to be one of six siblings. And so uh, we're spread from Colorado to Virginia. The sister that lived in Germany just moved back to Colorado a month ago. But we're a family that we're close and we like each other, but we don't live close to each other. Mm -hmm. Besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have you done? Oh, more than I probably should know. But um, I came about them in a good way. My mom was a home economics teacher by training. And she loved sewing, so I learned to sew my own clothes. And I have a grandma who loved to knit, so she taught me knitting. I'm sure my mom taught me as well, but I do remember grandma knitting and crocheting. And then my mom also learned weaving, so she taught me that. And then when I got out on my own and was looking for other things to learn, I think I like things that I touch. I'm pretty sure that's why I quilt. I like to touch the fabric. So you might notice that knitting and crocheting, even weaving, you're touching fiber. I learned tatting from a friend in Alaska, which is a dyeing art. It was shuttle tatting. So it's what they used to make lace for the collars in all those Victorian pictures of people with lace collars. Mm -hmm. And I learned cross stitch or taught myself to do that. And then I got into some paper crafts like embossing and card making and such. At one point, I just realized I was very stressed because I had all of these crafts available to me, but I didn't have enough time raising children and all of that to do all of them. And so I felt kind of bad that I had all of this investment sitting there and I wasn't using it. So I gradually narrowed it down to where I now just knit and crochet and tat and quilt. I do like to garden, but that is a different space of fun. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so those are my current hobbies is knitting, crocheting, tatting, and quilting. What do you grow in your garden? I prefer to grow flowers and perennials. I like to create a garden that has something blooming all through the seasons or has interesting interest in the winter, even if it's not uh, blooming. So Mm -hmm. I like to choose plants that have an interesting stalk or structure that will make the winter look interesting. And Virginia has been amazing for my gardening bug. I've been able to grow some things that I couldn't grow in Alaska, azaleas and rhododendrons and lots of things like that. But I've also learned that deer and moose like to eat the same things. And it's rather frustrating to not be able to grow some of the plants I love to grow because the deer like them just as much as in Alaska, the moose likes them. (laughs) (laughs) So I can't grow tulips because they all like to eat them before they are blooming. It's so interesting to me. They are somehow related, I think, in that family of critters. Yeah. So that part of being in Virginia and being in an area with lots of deer was a little frustrating because I thought, oh, I'll get to grow all these special things that I couldn't grow in Alaska because of the moose. And then (laughs) I just traded moose for deer. (laughs) (laughs) Who introduced you to quilting? Well, just before I got married, a friend uh, who was a quilter introduced me to the idea and showed me how to design my first quilt. 
she let me use a book that she had that was called It's Okay to Sit on My Quilt. And it was about how to design blocks using basic quilting structures. And for a wedding gift, she gave me uh, my first cutting mat and rotary cutter hmm. and ruler, I believe. And she said, your husband won't understand this wedding gift, but someday he'll appreciate it. And so, <laughs> so I have been quilting all through my married life. Um, my first quilt was a king-sized original design that I machine-pieced and then hand-quilted. And I learned a lot of lessons in that process because, of course, most of us would make something smaller as a first project. Yeah. Well, and honestly, that quilt was going to be a twin-sized quilt because I wasn't engaged or even dating anyone when I started it. And then I met my husband, and things progressed rather quickly, and I realized this probably is going to have to be king-sized quilt. So I just <laughs> added more squares and made it larger. So, yeah. Do you remember how long overall it took you to make that quilt? Oh, probably took me less than a year. I was working full-time. So I fit it in, you know, on the weekends and things like that. And I didn't have any kids to take care of. So I could hand quilt before the kids came along. They yeah. got a little more challenging <laughs> when I had little people. And did your husband realize what a wonderful gift that was at your wedding later? Oh, yes. He has become an appreciator of quilts. I'm a very purposeful quilter. I like to make quilts for people or for a purpose but I also do it as art and so he gets to enjoy my quilts hanging on the walls of our home they are right in there with paintings and watercolors from other artists neat tell me about your favorite tool uh I would have to say my favorite tool is my rotary cutter and mat they kind of go together uh, it's such an efficient thing. And then my friends that quilt tease me and say I'm the notions queen. So yeah. I like to try all the new toys that quilters could have and figure out which ones I like to use and which ones work best. And honestly, if I could parlay that into a business, it would be <laughs> really fun. But I really do enjoy looking for tools that'll make quilting simpler and more efficient and effective but every quilter needs to use a rotary cutter and mat I don't know how we survive without it right <laughs> <laughs> explain your favorite part of the quilting process for me it's the designing of a quilt I do occasionally make quilts from patterns but not very often and I think it's because I get bored easily when I do repetitive block quilts. And so I really enjoy designing original quilts. I look for color inspiration in my garden and in what God has done in nature. And then I let the way that I think God's pretty courageous blending colors inform uh, what I use in my quilts. But I like sketching something or taking a photograph of a scene and making it into a quilt. I like experimenting with techniques. Very often when I design something, I know what I want it to look like, and I can even figure out the colors I'd like to use. But then 
sometimes I back myself into a technique corner when, well, how am I going to do that so that it looks like my picture? Hmm. And so I'll have to go hunting for a technique or something to help me complete a quilt. But the designing part is by far the most fun for me. Neat. You've been talking about different techniques or learning different techniques. Have you taken many classes? You know, I really haven't. I tend to learn by buying quilt books or talking to people that quilt and getting ideas or going on YouTube to get some ideas there. I have taught quilting, strangely enough, but I have not taken that many classes. I have taken maybe, I'd say you could count them on one hand, the yeah. number of quilt classes I've taken. But usually it'll be uh, like a designer or someone who is using color and cloth. I went to a machine quilter showcase one year with a friend of mine who had a long arm. And I took classes there and that really expanded my confidence and ability to quilt my own quilts, which was good because I tend to do everything smaller than a queen size quilt. I'll generally quilt myself mm -hmm. and then send the others away because they're just so cumbersome to quilt. But it really advanced my ability to quilt. I learned McTavishing, and I'm using that on the current quilt that I have. And then I took a class from Margaret Miller back in the day, and she might have been the original stack and whack kind of person. But she also was a designer. She didn't have quilts that looked like traditional quilts. And so that's probably why I took her class. And tell me how long you have been quilting. I have been quilting for almost 37 years. It's kind of hard to wrap my mind around that. That's a long time. <laughs> so I've seen lots of different trends, and I've seen lots of different things in fabric. And I'd say over those years, quilting fabric has much improved. The array of choices is much better. Having 100% cotton fabrics available generally, easily, is a huge improvement over when I started. I think my first quilt had cotton poly blend fabric in it, which maybe even the first couple, three quilts had that. And I've noticed now that I've had them for so long that the dye doesn't stay in the fabric as well as with all cotton. Huh. Maybe now they've even improved that process for the poly fabrics, but those are the quilts that have faded the most. And even within the quilt, the fabric with that's a cotton poly blend is what has faded the most. So. It's interesting to me to see that back in the day, they always said use 100% cotton fabric if you can. And I, of course, ignored that advice for a few quilts. <laughs> and now I pay the price. <laughs> so would you say that you've adjusted over the years on what things you like about quilting? Um, I don't know that I have adjusted what I like about it. Well, yeah, every quilter goes on a journey, I think. My first quilts, although somewhat original, were very safe in terms of color choices. I chose lines of fabric or matchy, was very matchy-matchy, which there's nothing wrong with that. And it's a safe place to be if you have not explored how to use color, because you can also have total disasters if you don't use color well. I now use quilting more as an art form and so I experiment more and I'm a little more daring with color. 
I don't have to have all my greens match. I can use multiple values and shades of green, like I might use an olive green and a forest green and a lime green on the same quilt because I've learned to handle color well. Mm-hmm. So I guess over the years, yes, um, all of us learn uh, and grow, hopefully, in our craft. And that has been true of me. Me. What was your worst quilting experience? Hmm. Well, one of those early quilts, I didn't pre-wash all the fabric. And uh, it was a king-sized machine piece and hand-quilted quilt. Not my first quilt, but another one that my mom and I actually corroborated on. She had a set of fabric she wanted to use. I had a set I wanted to use. So we traded some chunks of fabric, and each of us would make squares for the other when we made a square for ourselves. So it was very special to me that my mom and I were both working on these quilts together. And by the way, I taught my mom to quilt. That's kind of a feather in my cap. (laughs) And (laughs) this very multi-talented mom. (laughs) And she, to this day, makes spectacularly beautiful quilts. And her preference, she goes towards crazy quilts and very elaborately embellished quilts. But that's a, another little bit of the story. So back to this quilt that I messed up. It was very special to me, but I didn't pre-wash the fabrics. Well, the first time I washed this king-sized hand-quilted quilt, there was some dark green fabric that was throughout the quilt and a light off-white background, muslin background. And that dark green fabric bled onto the white background in several places. And I was mortified. I thought, oh, no, this huge quilt that has spent, we probably took two years or more to make that quilt. (laughs) And it was all messed up. But I discovered the wonders of a product called Synthropol at the time. And I still keep it in my laundry closet. So I took Synthropol and a Q-tip and I dabbed those areas that had the green dye. And it did remove the dye, but that quilt hasn't been washed since. (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, it doesn't get used a whole lot either. It's a display quilt. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yep. So now every piece of fabric that I buy goes straight to the laundry room, and I test for dye fastness, and I wash them all the way I will be washing the quilt so that I don't have to repeat that little disaster. Wow. Always makes me question myself because I never wash my material. Well, hopefully you won't have that kind of experience, but yeah. it only takes one experience like that to convince you um, that, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I think the solution I've heard, although I don't bother with it, some people have said they'll wash it and then they'll use that um, best press to starch the fabrics again so that they're nice and square and straight. But I like how fabric feels when it's washed. And so I don't mind putting a quilt together that's had washed fabrics. I know we always had to wash it before we made garments or clothing. Yeah, the same principle. Exactly. But in this case, especially with batiks in certain color ranges, it's a risk to put those in a quilt without checking first. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you make quilts? Well, as I said before, I'm a purposeful quilter and... Sometimes that makes it hard to get a quilt started because I want to have a reason to do it, like give it to someone or change the art that I have on the wall. 
but I think I'm learning to do the more just to connect with God, who is my creator, because it's a creative process. And when I design and choose colors, I really feel like I spend time thinking about how God created the amazing world we look at and the amazing people in it and the uniqueness and individuality, even between two flowers on the same bush Mm -hmm. or two people. We know each person is so remarkably unique. And I personally don't think that's by accident. I think it's because we have a creator who's superbly creative. When I design and, and work on a new quilt, I do a lot of prayer and thinking with God and enjoying the creative process. Great. Tell me what you're working on now. Well, nine years ago, when we left Alaska, we were taking a month-long road trip to get to Virginia. I tend to be overly ambitious, and so I cut out the pieces for and prepped the pieces for two hand-appliqued quilts, queen size. And so I started on one of them nine years ago, and last year, I've managed to finally finish all the squares and setting triangles for one of those two quilts. And the other one is still in a box (laughs) waiting for me to do it. But I'm finishing up that nine-year quilt, and it is currently being quilted by me. The center portion is almost quilted. I have 12 inches more to quilt on a sashing strip, and then I will be adding the borders and quilting that. I'm learning to do the quilt-as-you-go technique with a modified version because I seem not to ever do it the way the instructors say. (laughs) I just always kind of tweak it a little bit. (laughs) So I was going to do it in strips, but they are diagonal strips, and so I didn't want the bias to stretch. I just assembled the center, which is still big, got that all quilted, and then the borders will be my quilt-as-I-go part. But yeah, so it's been an interesting process. And as I said, I'm pulling out some old training with McTavishing and working on doing that, which is a little bit like stippling, but different. It's um, more variety in what you quilt on the quilt. Hmm. So I'm enjoying that. I'm glad I'm not the only one that likes to do things their own way. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like I said, it's a creative process. So I just do things the way I feel like. (laughs) I've been able to take one quilting class when I started, and I remember giving myself a talking to before I went to the class, follow their instructions. (laughs) (laughs) Did you succeed, Paula? I did. I had to work really hard at it, but I did follow their instructions. That's good. I'm sure that was good for your first quilt. Gave you some basic skills that you needed. What tip would you like to share with me? Can I share more than one? Oh, please, yes. Okay. Well, one statement that someone made, I think it was in a quilt guild in Alaska. Someone said, there are no quilt police. And that really set me free because up until then, I really focused on, well, if I want my quilts to last and if I want them to be well done, then I can only do them by certain methods or with certain fabrics or 
someone's going to look over my shoulder and see that my quilting isn't even or that my stitches aren't quite perfect if I hand applique. And that added a lot of stress to my quilting. So just remember, there are no quilt police. Nobody's going to look over your shoulders unless, of course, you want to enter a contest and then you will need to be striving for perfection there. I think it's important to take risks with quilting. Branch out from your usual way that you've made quilts, whether to choose a different designer, a different book, maybe learn a new technique, but take some risks. Another one is to use colors and techniques that you like. I was part of several quilt guilds, and I would always admire the work of others, and sometimes I wanted to compare myself to them. And then I realized, nope, I just need to do me and do the quilts that I like to make and the colors I like to make quilts with. So I want to encourage people to do that. And then I did say that I was the notions queen. So (laughs) I would offer that I think it's important to get the best tools you can afford for the job. A lot of times we'll be willing to say that about garden tools or yard tools or even computers. But it's also important to have the right tools for quilting. Mm-hmm. And then finally, my tip is have fun. If you're not having fun when you quilt, maybe you should get a new one, <laughs> a new <laughs> hobby, <laughs> because it really ought to be fun what we do for fun. Yeah. Which is yeah. for me what it is. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to share with me about who you are? Hmm. Well, I think I am. A woman who has grown a lot through her years. I used to be very perfectionistic. And now I think I'd like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist. Hmm. And hopefully that shows in the tips that I gave. I have learned to enjoy the moment more than I used to. I have learned that I can always change. And that's a legacy I've given my children, which I'm very proud to do. And I think. I'm a person who loves and enjoys beauty, which is why I quilt and why I garden, because I like to surround myself with things that are beautiful. Great. I want to thank you, Paula, for interviewing me and letting me have this time with you. It's been very special and quite an honor to be on your podcast. Well, I am so glad that we were able to connect. Yes, it's neat that we can be connected across states and miles and time zones and enjoy one of the same hobbies. Yeah. Really beautiful. It is amazing. Our technology anymore is just getting better and better. Yes, it is. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay. You too. God bless you. so glad you joined me for this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a review as it helps others to find the show? Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website or a Quilters Life Facebook group to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.